With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Cassell, and with me today for a special Syracuse men's basketball season preview episode is our basketball editor, James Zuba. James, how's it going? It's going well. It's about time you guys have had me on the pod. Looking forward to it. Um, first, first, I'd like to make one request. If I'm coming on the pod, can we not do like the Ariana Grande intro? <laughs> Last week I tuned in, there was like Ariana Grande or something. To start that the pod. that so. actually has nothing to do with us as much as I wish it did sometimes. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's entirely uh, blog talk that, that okay. puts in ads that we don't get paid for. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I thought I thought uh, L.A. was making you soft or something like that. But no, uh, I, uh, yeah. I I have nothing to do with this. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. But yeah. Um, Dan couldn't join us for this one for those listening, but uh, he's on our regular episode that he and I recorded earlier today. Um, so James and I will be doing the usual uh, kind of running down some of the big narratives this year, uh, the players that we need to watch, the players that you know might surprise us, and then you know doing a little game by game. Uh, kind of breakdown of, of what to expect from Syracuse. Uh, obviously, the season's just, you know, a little over a week away by the time you're listening to this, less than a week away. James, why don't we start with the exhibition game, though? We got at least a, a little bit of a taste of what the Syracuse team is going to be this year. Um, what were, what were like, two to three big takeaways that you had from the exhibition, keeping in mind that, like, we're not really going to be able to extrapolate a ton uh, right. from that and, and, and at least the results necessarily. Yeah. I think first to start, you know, it's important not to put too much stock into, you know, a game like this where we're, you know, Syracuse is just going to completely overpower a team like St. Rose. Um, so of course they're going to look a little bit better than what they actually are. Um, but, but so far, I mean, in the early season, you know, I was actually up, um, for media day up at mellow and, and saw, you know, the, the inner squad uh, scrimmage, you know, the orange versus white game. And then um, just from the exhibition itself, um, you know, a few big takeaways. I think the first of which being, I think Buddy Beheim is going to play, um, you know, down at ACC Media Day. I think Jim said to Donna, um, Donna DeToto over at Syracuse.com, uh, I think he said something like Buddy's the ninth man in rotation. And obviously he started you know, the exhibition game with, um, you know, Frank, Frank Howard, Howard Washington and Jalen Carey out with injury. Um, so, but, but even with that, you know, I think he's going to play. I'll be the first to say, I think he's the best shooter on the team. Um, but, but with that said too, I don't really see him playing forward and it's going to be really hard to keep Tyus battle on the bench. Um, so how that shakes out will be interesting. Um, Another takeaway, I mean, Elijah Hughes is, is a really good player. He, you know, he started obviously over Dolajai and, um, I think that could continue throughout the season. Uh, I think he's one of the better offensive player on the team, uh, on the team, and I think honestly, um, he could be that third guy, you know, behind Tyus and O'Shea. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to shoot him up, see him shoot up to the third leading scorer on the team. Um, so, so there's a lot, you know, but but you know, I think first first and foremost, you know, it's it's important not to put too much into you know these first few games. 
Yeah, for sure. I think you are right there. I think some of us had some questions about whether Buddy Beheim was going to play. I think, while again, don't want to extrapolate out the numbers necessarily that, that Beheim put up, you know, in, in game one uh, right. against St. Rose, I think it's pretty obvious that he is a great shooter. That's like th- that sort of stroke and that ability to, to hit from outside is not something that's necessarily opponent dependent. Um, obviously, he's going to be defended a little bit more closely. The better he plays in these earlier games, uh, the more likely he's going to show up on the uh, on the scouting report. But mm-hmm. I, I think he's the type of guy, and Dan and I were talking about this on the other podcast a little bit, like him and, and Hughes in general, like everyone that was that, that was that had a lot to say about Syracuse not necessarily being any better than they were last year and kind of you know poo-pooing any sort of idea they were a top 25 mm-hmm. team. All you have to do is just look at the fact that like we have now like a hot, a potentially hot shooting guard or at least one who can hit at a reasonable clip from three and like a really solid wing and Elijah Hughes off the bench and that's something we didn't have last year so even if everything else is equal even if nobody else improves and I doubt that we have two pieces that we did not last year and I think automatically that makes Syracuse at least right. three to four regular season wins better yep uh, no, you bring up a good point. I think that, you know, sort of with, with a rising tide, all, all boats are raised, you know. So so with that, yeah, like you said, even if these guys don't get better from last year, Tyus, O'Shea, Frank, I, which they obviously have, I still think their shooting percentages are going to come up just based on the amount of space that they're going to have on the floor. Um, you know, when you look at it, Matthew Moyer and Marek Dolajai really weren't that effective offensively to start the year. Um, obviously, Dolajai came on down the stretch, and, and that really made Syracuse a difficult matchup with him hitting that 12 to 15 footer. Um, but, but I think when you when you look at it, just the amount of space that these guys are going to have, that should automatically just raise the shooting percentages on top of everybody, you know, having an entire year uh, and another summer under their belt. No, I, I completely agree there. I, I think in general now, like, I I think that this entire season is going to be based on like like i said earlier I, I think it's not necessarily the progress i think it's those guys that come off the bench and i think it's seeing how Bayheim plays in the zone i think Bayheim is going to obviously be better than most in terms of adapting to the zone but we'll see how many minutes he gets i think Hughes is going to take a little bit of time i think he already showed that that he's getting there i don't think we're going to see the disaster we saw a couple of years ago where you know late additions like Andrew White, John Gillen, like they had their moments on defense, but largely like that was a bad defensive team, at least by Syracuse standards. Yes. And I think that like now, because all these guys have been in the fold the whole time, we don't have the grad transfer issue. And that's not to discount what Gillen and and White did Uh, from an offensive standpoint. They were very helpful. It would have been a lot worse without them. But I think now um, we're going to have like more of a normal learning curve um, in terms of, you know, Hughes getting into the fold, and Hughes has also played for a year um, in practice. Uh, Robert Braswell kind of getting into it, and, like, just seeing how everybody else rounds into form. I'm I'm very excited for what this team looks like, not just, like, five to seven games in, and we have some big games in that stretch, but, you know, what we look like come January when, when the newer pieces have gelled and we start to see, you know, what all these guys can kind of do playing together and also how they handle injuries and I, I know that you've talked to a bunch of these guys and you've been around the team more than I have um, this offseason but obviously you know injuries and how Syracuse handles them um, are, are going to be one of the prevailing narratives um, of these early weeks 
you know, and it is interesting when you look at the point guard spot right now. Obviously, all three of those guys are out. Um, hard to hard to like handle a situation like that. Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, Frank Howard's out right now with his foot. Um, you know, he was walking around the preseason with a boot. Um, just shed that for the exhibition game last week. Um, some of the, the comments uh, from Bayheim were a little bit interesting. You know, SU Athletics has kept this one pretty close to the vest. But um, I, I won't be totally surprised if, if Frank doesn't come back for the first actual game of the season, just based on the comments from Bayheim in the postgame presser last week. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I don't want to speculate. Um, and they were hopeful to have Jalen Carey and Howard Washington back in practice actually today, um, you know, today being Monday. So, so we'll see how that shakes out, but not overly important to have, you know, those guys right now. Um, obviously, you'd rather have those guys in there getting reps, but, um, you know, no big deal. Slide Tyus over the one, and then, and then Bayheim can get more reps at the two. Um, so, so we'll see. You know, hopefully those guys get back, and they're, they're 100%, and then you can start the season off right. Yeah, I mean, how I, – like, I know you were saying, like, it's not super, super important to get them back, like, right right now, but, like – do you think it's realistic they could be back by the UConn game on the 15th? Do you think it's essential that they're back by the UConn game on the 15th? And if not that one, then maybe the the yeah. suppose the you know eventual matchup after it uh, with either Iowa or Oregon. I do think it's realistic to have them back. Um, it's hard to speculate right now with with Frank. Uh, you know, Bayheim, last week Bayheim kind of said we'll see how the next 10 days go, um, and then from there they're really going to make their decision. I think with a kid like him, it's more important to have him 100% from the start. Um, you know, you don't even really want to risk it having him at like 80% or 90%. I think you just want to get him back to full health and be able to withstand, you know, the ups and downs through the long season. Um, you know, you know, Jalen uh, sounds like he had a pretty bad ankle roll in the orange versus white scrimmage. Um, you know, based on some of the comments from. From him to Donna, um, Donna actually had some good reporting on that. It sounded like a high ankle sprain, um, although that might not necessarily be the case. It was it was a severe ankle sprain. So, um, you know, I, I think if they're going to get him and Howard Washington back on, on Monday, um, those guys should be back in the fold by the UConn game, I would think. Yeah, I think that's essential. I mean, we're not going to get into the games necessarily just yet, but... I think for me, like having at least a mostly healthy team against UConn, no matter how good or not good they might be this year, it really would be great to have like a, a the full complement of guards for for those games because like UConn, again, no matter how good or not good they are, they're going to find a way to get up for this game. They're going to find a way to play at some competitive level against Syracuse. Don't really want to embarrass ourselves early because it's not to extrapolate, but a Syracuse loss in that UConn game potentially begets you know a, a loss in the next game whatever that may be Oregon or Iowa you have Ohio State shortly thereafter like this schedule sets up really nice for us to pick up some quality wins and also have a nice record going into ACC play I'd hate for us to do something like we had to do a couple of years ago and we never really recovered which was starting off you know with four or five losses early on and then having to dig your way out the rest of the season right yeah, I don't foresee that with this team. Same. Um, I'm just, just more based, painting yeah. an absolute worst case scenario. <laughs> no, I got you. Um, you know, j- just based on, you know, these guys haven't played uh, played with each other and they, they've been around each other long enough. I, I don't see that situation unfolding. But, but yeah, definitely with the UConn game, I think that is an important one just because it is the first game away from home. 
Um, you know, some folks in the national media might, might beg to differ on that one, but anytime you're away from the dome, um, you're on a big stage playing in Madison square garden. It's always interesting to see how the guys react to the lights being turned on. Um, so, so certainly you want to make sure you take care of business there. And then, you know, you want to set yourself up for not only that one win, but, but you don't want to go down to Madison square garden and lose two. And then you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole. Um, and, and then, you know, right after that, you go to Ohio State, you go on the road in a Big Ten environment. So so you want to make sure you take care of business along the way. Right. No, I, I'm completely with you. I know you're going to be going to a bunch of these games, which is awesome. And I think it's going to be great for fans this year to kind of be able to see not just the account from the game, uh, from, you know, I know you're going to a couple home games and obviously Bobby and Andrew will be at these uh, home games, but getting that kind of, you know, firsthand fan account from some of these uh, road stadiums, I think is great. You know, some of the cooler venues like Cameron Indoor and over Chapel Hill, like there's just, there's some really cool stories to be told. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing your account of yeah. of a lot of these venues. I know I've been to, not for games, but I've been <laughs> to the Dean Dome and, uh, yep. and Cameron Indoor. Um, Cameron Indoor, and I've talked about this on other podcasts, but I'll mention it here. And I know you've been there for a game, like, Cameron Indoor does not mess around in terms like everyone that says like it's it's a deafening atmosphere like you can't hear the person next to you speaking during right. like a, a, a volleyball game never mind like like a capacity crowded basketball game yeah it's it really is a unique environment um you know I was down there last year uh for the Syracuse Duke game and uh, you know, you see it on TV, um, you see it growing up, and, and you watch a lot of games there. But being there in person is just completely different. Um, and I remember, you know, one of the big takeaways, one of the things that really stood out to me was just how in tune the student section, you know, they, they were very in sync and in tune with one another. Um, so just all of their cheers were on point. As soon as somebody started to cheer, everybody knew you know what it was um so so to see sort of an environment like that and and you know it is quite quite literally close-knit you, you know everybody's right on top of each other the student section's right on top of the media right on top of the players so um it's it's unlike any other event or any other college basketball game i've ever been a part of i do hope to get down there one day but uh yeah i i'm again look, look on this I, yeah, I, I got one one particular problem this season that I can think of, of, of why I can't really uh, commit to, to road games of any sort. Even my annual football trip was uh, was scuttled, unfortunately, this year. I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, I'm going to start calling you Father John. Okay. I don't think that one's going to catch on. <laughs> right, fair enough. But, uh, yeah, you know what? Like, Why don't we talk a little bit about, like, Obviously, the lineup against St. Rose was atypical. Um, it's not one we're going to see a ton. For you, yeah. I think the starting five is pretty obvious for this season when everyone's healthy. Yeah, uh, the only, the only, not even so much surprising. Um, obviously, Dolajai, you know, he started the second half of the season last year. So, um, given how talented Hughes is and the type of player that he is that can sort of sc score at all three levels, I don't think it was totally surprising to see him start over Dolajai. Um, but you, you didn't quite know how that one was going to shake out. Um, I, look, but, Buddy Beheim's a heck of a player, heck of a shooter, but I don't think he's going to start too many games this year, um, especially when all the, the guards are back and healthy. Um, but, but we'll see how it shakes out. Um, you know, I think you're probably looking at a starting lineup of Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, 
um, Elijah, O'Shea Brissett, and Pascal Chuku, so long as everybody's healthy. All right. I, I could see that. I actually might see Elijah off the bench. Yeah. Like, I, I think that it's probably one of these two lineups. It's either the one you just described, or yeah. it's Frank Tyus, O'Shea, Dolajai, and, and Chukwu with, with Elijah as your first man off the bench, uh, you know, splitting time between the two and the three. Yeah. Well, we'll see how it, I mean, I won't be totally surprised with that either. You know, you know, Bayheim traditionally has liked to have that sort of six man, um, you know, that offensive firepower off the bench. Uh, I think Jalen Carey might be able to fit into that, that mold too, you know, a la Deion Waiters. But, um, but certainly, yeah, if Elijah comes off the bench, it's, it's not, you know, a knock on him. If anything, it might help Syracuse. Um, you bring him in and you probably don't lose too much offensively or defensively with him in the game. No, definitely not. Yeah, I think again, you know, that's what I was talking about earlier. That that's the the benefit of this team where there there are options. Like you can play a little bit smaller. I mean, there there's the there's the fever dream small lineup where Dolajai plays the five um, on, on this squad. But I, I don't think we're going to see a ton of that. Admittedly, I think you really need even in a league that and generally a sport that's that's getting smaller by the day and really like you're not seeing those huge bigs in the middle anymore. Um, at, yeah. as much like I still think that having Chukwu's shot blocking ability assuming he can stay out of foul trouble um, is just such a game changer and was such a game changer for Syracuse last year being able to to look at the middle of the zone and knowing that like if you were going to drive the lane you're going to have to get it past him yeah anytime you have to drive with a seven foot two guy in the middle like that if he's not blocking your shot the guy who's driving in there is at least thinking about it um, so, so that's almost a little bit of an advantage in and of itself, just having a guy that, that sheer size in there. Um, but to your point, I don't think we'll see Marek too much at the center. Um, you know, I can envision a scenario where maybe Pascal is in foul trouble. And I did speak with Barana Sidibe uh, up at media day. He said his knee's still not 100%. Um, right. he, is, he is sort of favoring that left knee a little bit. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out, but maybe in a scenario where he's not good to go and Pascal's in foul trouble, I think you can get away with Dolajai at the center spot for spot minutes. Yeah, I, I mean, I would love to see, like, to be honest, I, I'm fine with, like, easing Sidibe in. The problem is, like, I feel like his knee is so, like, tenuous at this point still that, like, it's yeah. not necessarily about the volume of minutes. It's just, like, any wrong twist or turn. Right is just going to land him right back on the bench. Like, I mean, Beheim used him in, in the right. uh, in the St. Rose game, 16 minutes, one for three from the floor. Uh, he had six rebounds, but also committed four personal fouls and two turnovers. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't necessarily know if that's the type of game we, we want from him, but at the same time, like, and we saw this, like, when we were kind of playing, you know, the war of attrition lineups at the end of the year, like, just having someone who can eat up a few fouls and just keep Chukwu in the game a little bit longer. I mean, Chukwu, Chukwu had only two fouls in the St. Rose game. Um, granted, like, there's no, there really wasn't, like, a big that was able to attack him um, on St. Rose for obvious reasons. Uh, but still, like, just having somebody that's able to absorb a couple of those fouls, I think, is, is critical. And I, I'd love to see Sidibe get going because I think he was a much better offensive weapon uh, when he was healthy last year uh, than Chukwu was. But, like, you probably want something closer to, like, a 25-15 split uh, with these guys at the five. And I just don't know if we're going to get that 
at least early. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, I don't I don't know if we'll be able to get that, um, but certainly with Sidibe in there, just to just to one absorb fouls and also just give Pascal a blow. Um, that does that does do wonders. Um, you can sort of work around it with the TV timeouts to get Pascal some rest, but ideally you want two centers in there that can that can shoulder the weight of uh, of anchoring the zone down there. You know, you just hope that Sidibe isn't another uh, you know Coleman in in some ways with his knees uh, of a guy who when he puts it together has has some really nice offensive tools. And I mean, yep. Sidibe showed in that pick game last year, like he can like take mm-hmm. over in the paint. And I just think like for him too, especially somebody who needs to probably put on a good 20 pounds, yep. it becomes a lot harder to do that. Um, you know, w- w- when you're injured, you're not able to, I mean, it's one thing if you're a bigger center and you're gaining weight because you're injured. It's another one when you're a, you're a slimmer center and you need to gain that muscle weight, especially in your legs and you can't work it and you can't work them out. And I think for him, like that's going to be critical to his success at SU is, is, is how he's able to, you know, get healthy and, and, and strengthen those knees and overall just add that muscle that's going to make him much more of a force. Yeah, for sure. Um, even even talking with him in media day, too. I mean, he said he did work really hard on it this summer, um, said he was working with, with Brad and Ryan, um, just trying to get stronger and trying to get his knee back to 100 percent. But, you know, certainly when you have an injury, you're not able to go full strength. You're not able to push it at the level you would like. But, but, you know, hopefully for him, he can get healthy. And I think you bring up a good point, too. He definitely has some potential on the offensive end. Um, saw it in that Pittsburgh game. Saw it early in the season last year, too, when he was a little bit healthier. Um, so if, if he could play, um, that would do wonders for Syracuse on offense, just to have another guy in there. Uh, but one thing I will say, too, is Pascal looks much improved already. Um, you know, on the defensive end, he looks like he's on a little bit of a different level this year in terms of his timing and blocking shots. Um, so keep an eye out for that. And then, you know, I don't think he's going to take over a game. You know, I think it's, it's more so going to be catching, catching the ball off lobs and trying to get putbacks, garbage buckets, those sorts of things. Uh, I don't think we'll see him post up too much this year. Um, but he does look like he's a little bit more, um, you know, offensively sound this year too. I would love to see that. I know, uh, sure. what was it? The game was the Wake Forest game last year. Is, is that Which, the tournament game? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, is, is that, there, was, there was three. There were three. There was three. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did have a little bit of a coming out party there. Um I, I I do think like the more we can the more we can get him involved, I mean I'm not expecting him yet to put up even a double double a game. Sure. Um but but if we can even get I think if you can get eight points, even like three blocks and like ten boards out of him, I think that's that, that's more than most can get out of out of like a, a a pretty capable college center at this point, yeah. At least a real center, not not just a, a power forward that they're putting in at the five. Yeah, I think it's interesting too when you look at Pascal, and it, this might even raise some eyebrows. But he had two point five blocks per game last year. Uh, I believe that was second in the ACC. So three isn't really that much of a stretch. And then he was thirteenth in the conference on rebounds too. Uh, you know, granted he was he was playing a lot of minutes because Brahma couldn't get in there. Um, but you know, he had really good numbers last year. He looks a little bit better this year in terms of his timing. You know, he's added some strength too. um, you know, talked with him immediately today and he said he was just looking to be more dominant defensively. So uh, I think that's his focus. And I don't, I don't think three blocks a game is really that unreasonable. 
I, I will hopefully take it. Um, Absolutely. Moving us out a little bit uh, from the interior to the uh, to the perimeter here, Syracuse did not shoot well from three, as anyone would have guessed, uh, just 31.8% uh, from outside. In the uh, first exhibition game, they shot 38.5% from outside, 10 of 26, including 7 of 17 in the second half. Um, James, what, where, where do they split the difference here uh, between those two numbers? Obviously, they're not going to get as wide open looks uh, as they did against St. Rose because St. Rose just doesn't have the length to really cover them outside. So, so for you, like, what's a successful season from three? I think, you know, when you look at it, obviously, okay, you shoot 33% from three. That's one point every shot. Um, realistically, I mean, I think the guys could shoot 35% as a team. Um, you want some of your better shooters to be around the 40% mark. Um, I think that's a number maybe Buddy could get to. Uh, I, I'm not so so sure about the other guys. Um, you know, Tyus will probably take a higher volume. You know, certainly his, his efficiency has to come up this year. Um, but, uh, but I think, honestly, like a realistic target for them, 35% from three is doable. Um, and in the first game, I mean, when you have Elijah and Buddy knocking down three threes each, I think Elijah was one, one was three of six and one was three of seven, you know, so that certainly helps. But, um, you know, I think realistically, 35 percent is a good target. Yeah, I, I had to agree with you there. I mean, it's with most of the same players, I think it's a stretch expecting like this huge, huge leap up to something, you know, north of like 36, 37 percent. But I think 35 does give you does give you something to work with. And obviously, like, you know, SU had some better games than their, their 31.8 average. They also had some worse games. And I think that's the what, what you want to try to, to avoid is that I think that the bottom should be that 31% mark, um, hopefully most games. And hopefully, you know, you don't have to chalk up a ton. I think, you know, as much as the games evolved, I think the college game hasn't necessarily caught up to that same, you know, torrid pace and, and, and jack and threes. Um, kind of approach that the NBA has at, at, at most junctures. And I think asking the Jim Beheim team to do that, um, we've had some fast teams. We've had some teams really push the pace and really, you know, scored a nice clip. But I think having having suddenly like a positionless, you know, Golden State Warriors type three-point centric team from, from Jim Beheim coach squad, it's, it's probably not going to happen. It'll never happen. Uh, so long as Jim Beheim's the head coach, it's going to be about two, three zone, and they're going to look to get those guys that fit that mold. Um, obviously, when you look at our front line, you're looking at seven, two, six, ten, and, and six, eight. When you have you have Pascal Dolajai and, and Brissett in there. Um, obviously, last year Syracuse was the tallest team in the country. They're actually the tallest team in the Ken Palm era. Um, so, you know, you're looking at it based on the measurement, the tallest team in college basketball in the last 16 some odd years, um, not getting too much shorter this year. Um, so, so the zone's always going to be the focus. Um, I do think we can get up and down a little bit more last year, obviously, given the limited depth, you really had to pick your spots and be very selective about getting out on the break. Um, but I think they will have an opportunity. I think Frank can push it a little bit. Um, Jalen Carey, the guy who's going to want to push it every time he gets it. Uh, I could see him getting into a little bit of trouble there, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, certainly uh, I hope Syracuse can can pick up the pace a little bit this year, and I think they will. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I don't think it needs to be. I don't think it needs to be torrid, but I think I think I I could see them. I think Ken Palm wise, they were what like three forty two something like that last year. Yeah, they were down there with Virginia. Yeah, I and like and and the thing that we, you and me and other people have always stated is like 
Virginia has the luxury of doing that because they're efficient. And, and, and I mean, if Syracuse wants to grind, you know, grind the offense down, that's fine if they're going to be efficient with the basketball. Like, like Syracuse teams have done that in recent memory yeah. where, I mean, they weren't perfect, but like the Final Four team in 2013, like they were very defensive-minded, but they were much more efficient than last year's team was as far as shooting the basketball. So, like, it's not out of the question that SU does that, but I do think we have more shooters on this team. Um, and I do think, you know, we, we'll probably play – we're not going to slow things down to the point where we're always in, in, in the half-court sets and we're always, like, always just trying to grind down the clock because we don't we don't need to as a habit. And, like, Dan wrote a good article about this um, over on the Spun last year talking about, like, everybody seemed to talk about Jim Beheim's team last year. Like, this was just something Jim always did, and this was, like, just, you know, part and parcel with – you know, playing the two-three zone, but like that's not at all what it was. It was he was trying to minimize the opportunities to draw fouls and potentially have to play walk-ons. Right. And, and and to be honest, like that's to me the, the fact that he was able to to really until that Michigan State game, like avoid needing walk-ons for multiple minutes and and, and finding ways to to balance out, you know, the, the those minutes and, and and guys who could score and guys who could defend, like. He, he had to manage a, a hell of a lot last year, and I think it's one of his best coaching jobs he's ever done. Um, and, and I think that that just got lost on a lot of people because of the, you know, admittedly uh, ugly style of play for, for large stretches of, of the season. Sure. Folks in the national media just love to, to kill Syracuse for, for anything. Um, so it's almost like yeah, they're just almost looking for something to, to hate on Syracuse for. Well, they know we're going to share the links. So it's easy. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, yeah, of course, uh, you know, the team, I think 2012, those guys, when you have the depth, when you have that luxury, you can get out and run. Yeah, I think you put it pretty eloquently as a sort of post sanctions. Syracuse has been living paycheck to paycheck, really. Um, you know, last year, you really only had the five starters that were healthy. And you brought in a guy, Matthew Moyer, who, you know, his, his ankle wasn't 100 percent. Um, looks like he had a high ankle sprain at one point too with, with the black and blue bruising there and uh, Barama obviously not healthy so so the best way that you can be competitive is to slow the game down um, you didn't have depth so they had to slow it down in the half court and make teams take up the full shot clock on the other end um, obviously Syracuse has always done that um, but you do see you do see these days a little bit more of an emphasis from the guards to come in and rebound Versus when Syracuse used to play zone, not full time, you know, back in the 80s, Big East days, um, there's a lot of getting up and down, um, having the guards leak out. You know, now it's more about uh, focus of possession. You know, let's maintain possession, make sure we have the ball and then see if we can get out and run. Um, but, you know, with, with more depth this year, they should be able to get out a little bit more. And, and but, but it's not like this is just some sort of new thing um, that Syracuse is just trying to slow the ball and just play in the half court. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of people are going to a lot of national folks at least are going to be pleasantly surprised to see a, a a much different Syracuse offense, even if it's not, you know, markedly better mm -hmm. in in terms of efficiency. I think it'll just be it'll at least look more appealing. Yeah, which sure. which which will be the the, the nice start for us. Um, so I guess looking at the schedule a little bit figured might as well dig into that like maybe mm -hmm. let's just start going through here and seeing where the wins and losses are and uh and seeing kind of where we net out in this regular season 
for sure. Um, yeah. I, I can kind of guide our way through, and uh, we, we don't have to talk in depth on the games that I think are, are givens, and we can go more into the games that, are, that, that aren't. Um, so I, I think we could both agree we're probably going to win the first two. Uh, Eastern Washington and Moorhead State. Uh, I think it's reasonable that we're going to start 2-0. Uh, UConn, I, I think we win that one. I think we win somewhere by somewhere in the 7-10 to 10 point margin. I could see that. Um, we'll, we'll see what the spread comes out at. But, uh, you know, I think, I think Syracuse is going to be much better than UConn. We'll say that. Um, obviously, Hurley's in his first year there, so he's sort of taking over, um, you know, implementing a new culture, new system, those sorts of things. That's going to take some time to adjust to, even with the, the returning guys that they do have. Um, but but I don't think Syracuse will have too much trouble with that one. I think you kind of put up a good fight, but Syracuse probably pulls away and wins by double digits. Yeah, I, I, I could totally see that. I think uh, for, for the second game of that, uh, that event over at MSG, uh, do you, are you leaning one way or the other in terms of Oregon or uh, or Iowa? Uh, if Syracuse beats UConn, they should face Oregon. Um, Oregon's tricky. Uh, obviously, they bring in Bull Bull this year. Um, he's a big presence down there. I think with that game, people will probably make a big deal out of Pascal and him going head-to-head, even though it won't really be that sort of matchup. People really hype Peyton Pritchard right now. Um, he's almost in the mold of like an Aaron Kraft type, you know, undersized point guard who could shoot it really, really kind of hard nosed, tough guy. Um, but, but I do think that's sort of a tricky game. Um, we'll see how Syracuse prepares for something like that. But even, even in that they should be favorited. Um, Syracuse should probably win b- between three and six points. I would, I would assume. Yeah. I mean, Oregon's an interesting matchup too, because like they are efficient on offense um, they're they're not at the same level of quality we are on defense, but they aren't a bad defensive squad uh, by any means. And Ken Palm has them at uh, 28 right now uh, going into the season. So obviously no games played yet. Uh, and tempo-wise, they're going to be probably closer to us, uh, which which kind of you know presents not a clash of styles, but but actually like a pretty even match of styles, just with them having a more efficient offense. Iowa, on the other hand, um, they're going to play with some tempo. They are a much better offense, but they're a much worse defense. I'd prefer Iowa of the two, but I think for the, for the sake of our resume, um, I, I think you want to play the Ducks. Yeah, no doubt. Um, obviously, we saw what happened with the non-conference schedule last year and how important that was getting into the tournament come Selection Sunday. Um, you know, I don't think Syracuse will be riding it out. Uh, I think they should be somewhere within, realistically, somewhere within the three to five seed range come March. Um, but obviously, non-conference very important. Um, probably best to get tested by a better team um, in Oregon early. Oh, oh, 100%. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I, I was not a bad squad either. I was probably a top 40. They're they're definitely in the running for an at-large. Um, but but Oregon just seems like they're the team that's much more likely to be, you know, in that that top seed conversation in the Pac-12. So, uh, g- give me the Ducks. I think we also never faced Oregon. Is that so? I believe that's the case. I think I remember from when I wrote up this thing originally, back when the uh, announcement happened. I'm looking up. I'm looking up quickly just to double check. Using yep, we have never faced Oregon or Oregon State. Wow, wow. interesting. Okay. So keep that in mind. Uh, just yeah, for the we faced Iowa a couple times, including at Madison Square Garden recently. 
So yeah, I, yeah I, I'd much rather face uh, much rather face Oregon just for some novelty standpoint too. Um, sure. Coming off those uh, Wednesday, November twenty first, we're home against Colgate. That will be a win once again. Um, but then the twenty eighth, week later, we get like the week off for uh, for Thanksgiving. We are at Ohio State. Um, Ohio State, as you recall, was pretty good last year. Um, flamed out in the tournament pretty early. James, what do you see from them this year? They lost a lot. Um, I'm admittedly, you're catching me a little bit off guard. I don't That's totally funny. remember the roster turnover. Let's let, um, let, let's not pretend that I'm like fully aware <laughs> of of all the rosters of our opponents. Well, they they did lose a dockage, so that's important. Uh, they lost Andrew Dockage, who uh, who actually transferred from Michigan. Uh, it was probably the worst worst move he could have done <laughs> in terms of a rivalry standpoint, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I was reading something from The Athletic uh, a few weeks ago saying one of their guys has really stepped up. Um, but but I think I think the bigger thing is that, you know, it's your first, I guess, true, uh, quote unquote, road game. Um, you, you go on the mandated, though, James, it doesn't count. <laughs> well, uh, we'll save that conversation for a little bit. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's the first true road game. You, you know, you go in a, in a Big Ten environment. Um, I'm sure it'll be it'll be rocking in there. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be necessarily anything new for the guys on the team. You know, they've all been there. Frank and Tyus, um, junior, senior. You know, they've they've played in a lot of road games. So I don't think they'll get too rattled. Um, but it will be interesting to see how they react to the first road game, um, and going going on the road for uh, for an event like that, Big, uh, uh, Big Ten ACC Challenge. And assuming you have a uh, a Syracuse win here, I do think they get out of there with a win, but I think it's going to be closer than what people expect. Yeah, I, I could see this one really coming down to like the final possession or two. Um, yeah. Ohio State doesn't play with tempo, but they they they're a well balanced team offensively and defensively. So I think I'll give Syracuse the win here that gets us to six and zero, but uh not 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 easy by any means looking at some of these other games cornell that's a win northeastern that's a win um that's eight and oh now georgetown um do you think georgetown is improved at all from last year i i do think they'll be a little bit better um one guy who's given syracuse problems in the past is jesse govan Yes, um, I think his his sophomore year he had a double double, and last year he was somewhere close to that. Um, but th- that should be a Syracuse win too. You know, when you look at it, I think Syracuse is just better on paper. Um, last year the game was probably, you know, obviously went into overtime. I think Syracuse was the better team, but that game was on the road too. Um, should be a pretty big Carrier Dome home crowd. It's a Saturday game, so expect that to be over twenty two thousand at least. Um, but, I, but I think Syracuse gets out of there with a win, yeah. Yeah, I'll be intrigued here if the Hoyas really try to run. Um, I, I think that's going to be something that like the teams tried last year. Um, if SU can shoot reasonably well, um, I, I think that, that that gives them an advantage just in terms of tempo because it lets them control the pace. I think any team that's going to try to run them off the court, and, and Georgetown not necessarily there tempo-wise. like they're, they're top 100, but they're not... They're not the type of team that's, you know, really run and gun. Um, I, I, I would think that, like, again, if SU can get an early lead, can start kind of dictating the pace a little bit. I think they can beat Georgetown, especially with a home game. Yeah, for sure. And I do think they'll, they'll try to push the, push the tempo a little bit, too. Um, you saw them do that in the first half of last year's game. And Syracuse did not do a good job getting back in transition on that one. 
Right. And I think now, at least, like that team, not necessarily super experienced at the time, uh, not necessarily like together as a squad. I think a lot of a lot's changed since then, since all the guys in that game are virtually all the guys in this game. Uh, so, so yeah, I think uh, I think a more cohesive Syracuse team uh, dispatches Georgetown a little bit more easily. These next few games are probably dicier than people think. Um, Old Dominion was was a top seventy or so squad last year and a potential mm-hmm. like outsider for a uh, for a, a large spot and, and a conference USA contender. They'll probably be that again. Um, Buffalo, uh, a very good MAC team, team that gave us all we could handle last year. Um, where is Buffalo this year? Buffalo is a little bit further down the list this year. Um, again, they're a team that plays with a lot of tempo. It's going to push us, but a team that defensively, like I, I think if you add their, their defense would probably step backwards um, with Syracuse's potential half step to a step forward um, offensively, I, I think that gives us the win against the Bulls. I'm going to get a little takey here. All right, uh, go for it. I think Buffalo is going to win that game. Um, I, I won't be totally surprised if they're ranked coming into that game, I, I do think they have a shot at that. Um, they bring a lot of guys back. Um, they have CJ Massenburg back. Um, they got another kid, Dante Carruthers. Um, and they also, they, they kept Nathan Williams home. Um, he was like a top recruit uh, out of that area. So um, obviously we saw what they could do in the NCAA tournament and they upset um, They didn't, I mean, they didn't even just upset Arizona. They obliterated them. So uh, I think they're a really good team. They got a chance to go back to the tournament. Um, and I, th- I think they do have a sour taste in their mouth from last year. So I'm, I'm going to say Buffalo is going to win that game. All right. I mean, you know, Buffalo has some, some opportunities to be ranked uh, headed into this game too. They face West Virginia. Um, that should be an interesting one. Unfortunately, they're, they're like... Uh, neutral site tournament isn't necessarily like I don't know how this game I don't know how this series exists the Belfast Basketball Hall of Fame uh, classic that Buffalo's involved in the eight teams in it are Albany Dartmouth Buffalo Stephen F. Austin UW Milwaukee USF is in San Francisco not the Bulls Uh, well they're also the Bulls no they're the Dons sorry but I think they have like a bull type mascot Um, LIU Brooklyn (laughs) And uh, and your alma mater Marist uh, are, are all in this game. Shouts shouts to the Marist Red Foxes. They play Saturday the twenty fourth, uh, November. Why why does this tournament exist? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Um, and, and why did how do these eight schools have the money to go to go to Belfast? That's a great that's a great question. Um, I'm sure your guy Chris um, at blogging the bracket would have a pretty good answer for that. Yeah, he's, uh, I, I think I need to know this information. <laughs> Get a hold of him. Yeah, there's a yeah they have this logo that uh, it's it's a tugboat with, <laughs> with, with with Belfast like really like shoved in there. Um, then with the basketball Hall of Fame logo on it, like the one in Springfield, and and then there's a sport changes life logo underneath. Um, there's a lot going on. Oh, just making now I see. They're just making this up. Yeah, go. yeah, this is, you would think I was just making this entire thing up. Uh, <laughs> the, the leading into the tournament brackets in Belfast, aptly named Samson and Goliath after the iconic Harland and Wolf cranes in the Titanic quarter shipyard of Belfast. Okay. So this is, this is so brand. 
there's there's <laughs> there's a there's just an amazing amount of like depth of detail to this uh, i feel like i got a tweet about this after the game yes and tweet it chris too i'll yeah. probably have an answer this is this is horrifying for sure all right anyway moving on moving on uh that was our our off topic kind of a foray on this one i think we'd be the bulls i do agree with you though i think they're gonna be a really good team um i think that's only gonna help our uh well it's not the rpi anymore whatever they're using to to replace the it the net that they haven't given us any details about how it's going to be tabulated so yeah a, a, another another brand success for uh for college basketball no doubt um i think the bonnies take a huge step back and i think arkansas state isn't good enough to beat us so i'm, I'm giving us 13 to zero in this non-conference slate okay okay uh i guess i'm 12 and one and then uh undefeated is really tough i could i could see it you know i could see syracuse shooting up in the rankings too um but you know that that oregon game could be tricky um that that, that to me is the loss if we get one yeah for sure so we'll we'll see how it shakes out um but but i wouldn't be totally surprised to see us go undefeated throughout the non-conference either yeah, I think honestly we'll probably be favored in most, if not all of them. It's just a question yep. of whether or not we can keep focus. And I think the one good thing is that because all these guys played last year, um, other than Hughes and uh, you know Jalen Carey and Buddy Behind, depending on how many minutes they get, like I think in general, like th- this is a veteran squad that should be able to take care of business. As long as like the random drop doesn't happen against like Georgetown or UConn, uh, I-, I-, I can deal with a loss. Yeah, and so long as everybody's healthy too. Yes, that 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 is essential. Even if we have a longer bench this year, I still think absolutely essential that we uh, that we stay healthy. Um, looking at the rest of the schedule, um, let's just group like the next few games together. Uh, at Notre Dame is always tricky for us. Um, yep. We got a home game against a ranked Clemson team. Who knows if they'll be ranked at the time, but I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Um, then a home game against what should be an underwhelming Georgia Tech squad. James, what do you have in there? I would say two and one. Um, I, I think Georgia Tech is probably a shoe win. Um, Clemson is tricky. Uh, I'm working backwards here. Clemson is tricky. You know, they do have, I think they lost DeVoe, um, one of their guards, but they do have the other two guys back. Um, they gave us a close game in the Carrier Dome last season, so I think that's tricky. But I do think we win that one because it's at home. Um, South South Bend is tough. Um, you know, I think two years ago, I know we went in there and it wasn't even close. Um, obviously, that was a very different Syracuse team. Um, I think 2012, we went in there, we were number one and we lost. Um, that was a tough game too. I think that was. I think Fab was ineligible that year. Yeah, that that was the first. I think that was like the first game without him. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, so that's always a tricky place to play. Um, so I'll, I'll go two and one through that stretch. All right. Yeah, I, uh, I'll go with two and one as well. I think the loss is probably Clemson. Okay. I, th- I think we actually get the win at Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame loses too much. Okay. And I think that we're not going to do the same dumb thing we did at the end of the last year's game. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, they did, they did lose um, Bonzi. Colson and, and Matt Farrell too. Um, Gibbs is supposed to step up a lot this year. I, I could totally see that, but but they are a different team um, than, than last year, of course. Agreed, agreed. Um, all right, next three here uh, at Duke, loss. 
<laughs> but then, yeah, give me the wins over Pitt and Miami then. I, I You know what? I, I'm not going to say Syracuse is going to win that game, but I do think with a young squad like that and, and just beginning an ACC play, um, better to go down there early, I think, um, as opposed to getting those those younger guys some more experience in the ACC. Um, I, I do agree with you, though. I think Syracuse does lose that one. One thing that'll be interesting in that one for me is I know O'Shea really struggled in that game last year. Um, so we'll see if he can bounce back in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Um, Pitt should be an absolute chew-in. Um, obviously, Capel in his first year there, they're in a complete rebuild mode. And then Miami lost a lot. Um, Bruce Brown, he's gone. Lonnie Walker, he's gone. Um, I'm a pretty big Chris Likes fan, though. Um, short guy. He, he sort of gave Frank... Frank handled him, but but he gave he was up in Frank shorts all all game, um, so I'll be watching for that a little bit this year too. Um, but that one's in the dome, so the, you know uh, I don't see Syracuse having too much trouble with that game. Yeah, same. I, I think for Duke, I think the, the the saving grace for Duke at least is that they're going to have some challenging games early on, um, and, and this young team is going to have plenty of time to kind of get acclimated um, at the college level. I, I so I think that for them, at least for the home game. Um, I think that that's an advantage for the Blue Devils. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give us two and one in that stretch as well. This next one's really tricky. I don't know who we offended at the league office to get three <laughs> straight road games. Um, I'm, just, I'm sure Jim will have some comments for that. It's just I don't understand why this is a thing. At Vatech, at BC, at Pitt. Um, luckily, I think we win at least two of those. Um, I think you know Pitt is better, but better than awful is still probably bad obviously bc if they were if they brought everybody back would be you know a potential like top 25 team this year instead they're probably like an 18 and 13 squad who could be pesky but i think i think we pull off a win even if we have struggled at chestnut hill of late we have um you know jerome robinson's gone He's gone to the NBA. He's a first-round pick. So Syracuse won't have too much to worry about in, in terms of him this year. Um, they do always have good guard play, and for some reason they work the ball really well around the 2-3 zone. Um, but I think I'll, I'll start with Virginia Tech and that one. I think that'll be a loss. That'll be a tough road environment. Um, you know, they bring back a lot. Uh, their backcourt's going to be really good once again. So I, I think Syracuse will get a loss on the road there. Um, even, even at BC – you know, their, their front court guys aren't quite even close to the level as our guys. Um, so I think Syracuse will go 2-0 and against BC. Uh, same for Pitt. You know, again, they're in complete rebuild mode. Um, you know, they returned a few guys, but um, they're, they're just not going to be up to par. You know, they should, be, they should be in the top, probably the bottom three, you know, I would say, in the ACC. So I don't see Syracuse struggling too much in those games, those two real games. No, but the Hokies... Uh, another ranked squad, another maybe like surprisingly for some fans that haven't been really like staying up on it, uh, ranked squad. Virginia Tech has some of the best guard play in the conference. Um, they've been rapidly improving. I I could see us. We have lost. Better Syracuse teams have lost in Blacksburg to worse Virginia Tech teams. Mm-hmm. Um I could see us dropping this one. I'm not happy about it, but I, I could I could see it happening. But we'll we'll get to why it's probably okay. Yeah, uh, I think they're gonna sneak up on people. I mean, they are ranked to start the year. Um, people are aware of Tech, but they return so much. Um, 
Chris Clark is a really big problem. He gave us fits two years ago down in Blacksburg, uh, Blacksburg too. Um, so, and obviously they return their guards. Justin Robinson's a real problem. He's really quick. He can shoot it from the outside. Um, Alexander Walker is a really good player too, um, out of Toronto. So, um, you know, I, I totally see us having at least a hard time in that game. And, and if I had to pick, I'd say, yeah, Virginia Tech gets out of there with a win. All right. So it has us at six and three. Not terrible by any means. Um, Looking at the next set of games going into the middle part of February, uh, you got Florida State at home, BC at home. I don't love that they always make us play BC like in a very short stretch because I feel like, if, especially if you're playing against the zone, having that short turnaround um, is actually really beneficial for our opponents because it allows you to really get right back into the mindset and, and quickly apply the notes that you learned from the last time around. Um, here, it's a, it's a turnaround of like 10 days. Which isn't great. Um, and then at NC State, I've got a sweep in this group. Um, I, I believe in FSU. I think they're going to be a great squad. But um, I think if SU is you know, the, the caliber of, uh, of team that we think they are, they probably need to pick up at least a couple of these, uh, these wins against uh, ranked teams. So, yeah, g- give me a 3-0 and swing in, in, in this grouping. For sure. Um, Florida State ranked to start the year. I think they overachieved last year and getting to the Elite Eight, um, pretty impressive what they did. Um, yeah, BC, I, I've never really thought of it that way, actually. Um, you know, But I, I guess when you do play the zone, it is kind of fresh. Um, you've just gone over your sets, so so that does sort of work in your favor a little bit. Um, but, yeah, again, Syracuse should win that one. And then add NC State to Syracuse shouldn't have too much trouble on that. Yeah, State is, uh, State's knocking on the door of, of potential NCAA issues. Uh, but for now, they're just not that great. And, and that's fine. They'll get there eventually. Um, yeah. Here's where like the really just like shitty part of the schedule starts. It, what, what we're projecting to be a 9-3-ish and three-ish Syracuse team coming up on this, for at least in the ACC play. Um, they got Louisville and Duke, um, both within a four-day stretch at home. I think Louisville's not going to be that good this year. And, like, I really want to pick us to beat Duke at home. But I'm just not sure. Like, I guess the Louisville, Duke, and UNC, there's no way we go 3-0 in there. No. Um, but I also don't necessarily think we go 1-2. and two. I think we got to pick up a big upset somewhere. I think it might be the Duke game. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we'll, I'll start with Louisville. Um, Chris Mack, obviously, first-year head coach. Um I don't think they're going to be up to par this year. Syracuse shouldn't have too much of a problem in that. Um, I'll, I'll go on. Yeah, I'll say I'll say that Duke game is going to be a win. Uh, that could potentially be a game day game. Uh, it is on a Saturday. I think it's prospectively uh, put there just for that reason. Yes, no doubt. Um, you know, thir- it should be thirty-five thousand on hand. It's going to be a big Syracuse game. Um, I'll say Syracuse won't disappoint there and gets the W. Um, but that's a quick turnaround to go down to, to Carolina. Um, they obviously have a heck of a lot of talent this year. And Roy always seems to kind of have Syracuse's number, whether that's accurate or not. Jim would probably beg to differ. but The, the um, numbers would prove him wrong in this regard. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, they, they've been a tough out. They've been really tough to beat. 
Um, you know, Luke May will probably be a little bit of a matchup problem for us. And Sear Little's a big guy. They always seem to sort of kill us on the boards, um, and they get on the offensive boards really well. Um, so, so I'll say, yeah, Carolina uh, gets that one on the when Syracuse goes down on the road. I'll say Carolina gets that one. All right. So, so did you pick? Remind me. Did you? Sit, did you, did you get two yeah. and one as well. All two right. So that's twelve and four in ACC play, which is pretty good. Is that twelve and four? I might have like added a game accidentally. No, it's eleven and four. Okay. Uh, three games left. Uh, we get at Wake versus Virginia, uh, which is going to be a big Monday situation, and then at Clemson. Um, I think we might go one and two in this stretch with the one win being Wake, but I could definitely see us pulling the upset against Virginia. I was going to say we finished twelve and six, so I'm I'm going to agree with you in the one and two there. Um, Wake's a win, and Virginia has, for one reason or another, they've they've given us some problems. Unless unless we're down by double digits at halftime, uh, then Syracuse has them there. And then yeah, Clemson for the second time in the year they go down. Um, down to South Carolina, so that's going to be a tricky one. Um, last game of the season, or last game of the regular season, anyway. Um, so I'll, I'll give Clemson the nod there. All right, all right. So yeah, that uh, twelve and six in league play, and, and depending on whether you thought we were going to win out in non-conference or not, uh, that gives us either a twenty-four and seven record or a uh, twenty-five and six record. Um, either way, uh, how far do you have us going in the ACC uh, tournament? Hot take: Syracuse wins the ACC tournament. We're printing T-shirts. Uh, I'm a fan. I, I could see it. I think. Uh, I think we end up with the four seed, and I think that leads to a, a, a terrible matchup with Duke in the uh, semis. And. And I think we lose that one. <laughs> that said, that said, we get we get a win. Like we, it's it's not that bad. We we do pull off a win in the tournament for the second straight year. Um, I'll take it. Uh, I think that leads to so by my count, twenty six and se- twenty six and seven, a couple marquee wins, just good resume overall. Uh, I think we end up with a f- five seed in okay. the in the NCAA's. Okay. Which I don't love, admittedly. Okay. Um, any predictions? I don't know if you've looked at it. Any predictions on region? Um, five seed gets you below that like favored line. Yeah. So I think we end up in the Midwest again. Okay. okay. A place that we're familiar with at this point. Sure. Um, I so I say Syracuse gets a four seed. Win the ACC tournament, you get a four seed, and then I think we'll get put in the East this year. Um, maybe it's wishful thinking. I think we'll only One be a four thing. seed if we win the ACC tournament. Potentially three. Uh, we'll we'll see how it shakes out. I, I think realistically, Syracuse should expect to be somewhere in the three and five seed range. Yeah. Um, obviously, that depends on what a lot of other teams do and a lot of other conferences. Um, you know, you win the ACC tournament, even given that sort of record, I think you could probably shoot up to the three seed range. Um, but TBD on on what other teams do in other conferences as well as the ACC. But one thing I, I do find interesting is that the East Regional is in Washington D.C. this year. Uh, last time that worked out pretty well for Syracuse. So uh, we'll see if we can get there. Um, maybe not realistic, but um, but yeah, I could totally see us going in the Midwest too. Yeah, I, I think either of those really would be fine. I mean, we've won, we've won out of a lot of these regions. <laughs> yep. I think the South is the only one we haven't, perhaps. Mm, um, 
2016 was Midwest, and then 2013 was it was East, right? No, 2013 was West, I thought. Oh uh, yeah, you're right because they went out to San Jose. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's just something to think about more than anything. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I could if we get a five seed, I think. It's it's it, I mean everyone knows about the five twelve stuff. I think it puts us in a tricky situation because either we're playing like a, either we're facing a, a playing type team like a USC or maybe like a Maryland type deal or Oklahoma State. Really wouldn't love. I mean Oklahoma State we could deal with, but like I I wouldn't love that sort of playing situation. We've been on the other end of it and we can see how the how you can gain some momentum pretty quickly. Um, or you're facing a team like I mean, w- they wouldn't put us up against Buffalo, but like a South Dakota state um, or, or someone like that. Sure. That like tricky facing a big team. Like you don't necessarily want to face that momentum, but yeah, like I, I think we're much better off on the four line where then suddenly, you know, you're facing like a Stephen F. Austin who's pesky, but beatable or like, you know, UL Lafayette, same deal um, or Northern Kentucky, like UNC Greensboro even, which I'm sure the committee would love to set up. <laughs> Again, <laughs> chopping at the bit for a situation like that to come through. Yeah. So, like, yeah, anything like that is probably more ideal. But we'll see. I, I think looking at that sort of, I guess, bracket alignment, I think we're headed to a Sweet 16. And we probably lose just by way of matchup, not because we're not better than last year. I just think it, it, it will, fans will be pissed off about it, but it'll put an exclamation point on the fact that, like, the NCAA tournament is very much a crapshoot, and we've just been the beneficiaries of said crapshoot uh, yes. numerous times in recent years, and, and and it's made us forget in some ways that that we have not been the beneficiaries uh, quite a few times as well in in our history. Yes, and and that's a tricky thing too. Like I, I think it can be, I think it can be very easy to fall into sort of like that gambler's fallacy mentality, where like, okay, you do you do well. Uh, and you're, and it's it doesn't work out that way. It's just every game is just sort of a random event in and of itself, and then the results, you know, the chips just sort of fall where they may. Um, but yeah, you know, when you look at our last two tournaments, obviously getting to, you know, the final four in the Sweet 16, both as double digit seeds, as a 10 or 11, it can be a little bit worrisome when you start to see that success, and it's it's okay that we're automatically going to get to the Sweet 16. Or, or we're going to get beyond that this year because we went there last year and everybody's back. Um, I, I think that's a little bit unrealistic. So I actually, I do, I'm going to agree with you. I think Syracuse does get to the Sweet 16 this year, um, potentially Elite Eight, but I don't think we're getting to the Final Four this year. Um, it's a long season. You don't know how things are going to shake out with injuries and, and matchups and sort of things in the tournament. And there's a lot but, more, ta- like, it's not to say we're not a talented team, but there, there's a nice collection of like more talented teams though at at the very top and if you're a four or a five seed like you know we had mentioned like you're playing you're playing a one so so you're either playing north carolina or duke who especially north carolina that sounds terrible sure or Uh, kansas yeah or or a kansas team that that definitely showed that they knew how to beat us last year um or kentucky that who knows i mean the zags obviously like could be on the one line like virginia like there's who would have notes on us at the very least like there there there's a lot not to like i would say like you not to say you want to get a worse seed because then you're facing better teams early but for me like i either want a two or a three or i kind of want to be on that six line 
Sure. Any anything you know, you put it in the the frame of delay playing the best team for as long as you can. Because you somebody know, so. else might knock them off. Right, exactly. As we've been the beneficiary of in recent years, obviously would have had to play those guys in the second round. Um, you know, Michigan State in, in 2016 and, and so on and so forth. But but um, you always want to delay playing the best teams for as long as you can in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I, I would agree. And said like we've been the beneficiaries of it. UConn has, numerous other uh, teams have. It, let, let other people get upset and, and then face whoever's left at the end. Um, that's how you win this thing, unless you're, you know, loaded with five stars. Well, loaded with five stars and not named Kentucky. Um, so, so again, your 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 Dukes, your Kansases, your your North Carolinas, and I guess Villanova, even though they're not loaded with five stars, um, but they're another one, obviously, that that has seemingly figured out part of it. Like either they're a one seed that just blows through everybody, or they're not. Um, and, and, and they're able to, you know, exploit matchups to their advantage and play a, a quality style of basketball. So uh, we're, we're very, very far out from actually talking tournament and matchups, so I won't go any further down that road. But uh, James, with, with a couple of minutes left, is there anything, is there anything else that, that you feel you want to get off your chest about this season before we get going into uh, – so it should be another fun one in 2018-19. Uh, Oh, there's a million things I'd like to get off my chest about this season, but we'll we'll keep it short. Um, you know, a little little bit of a shameless plug here. I got a Frank Howard long form feature, um, pretty much starting from when he was a kid um, up until now. Um, I've had a couple long talks with him this summer and some people close to him, so so that's dropping next Monday, November fifth. Um, super excited for that. Um, continuing the player individual player uh, previews this week and then doing a feature week next week. Um, as far as the season goes, going to be really interesting. Um, a few nuggets of interest, I guess, will be watching Tyus and O'Shea, um, seeing how they sort of develop and mesh and then where they're appearing on draft boards. Um, I think Frank, he might have an outside chance of being a late second rounder, but I think he's going to play um, professional ball, whether that be in the U.S. or overseas somewhere. Um, and yeah, I think the young guys are interesting. It's a, it's a good collection of, of kids and I think they all get along. Uh, I think they all genuinely like each other. You know, you see that sort of chemistry and that, that sort of bond develop even in like, in their interactions and, and those things like that. And it should be a fun, a fun season and, and a fun team to cover. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, I'm, I'm sure you are as well. Even, even as excited as, as football is right now, you know, basketball season's here too. So it's it's good to have two good you know nationally ranked teams in, in the fold. Three, if you count women's basketball, we are. Oh, that's true. Women's that's basketball true. team is going to be very good yet again. Uh, we'll have a preview article going up this week. Talk about the women's team, who is going to be a top twenty-five caliber squad. Hopefully, uh, continuing to trend up as they uh, as they hope to get past the uh, first couple of rounds again for the first time in a couple of years. Um, but yeah. I, uh, I'm very excited about basketball. I, I definitely want to get past football first, um, but I will be paying attention to basketball before that. Don't worry. For sure. Should be a good year. Go Cues. Go Cues. Uh, all right. That was James. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Train Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on Blog Talk, on iTunes, on whatever else you uh, listen to podcasts on, and uh, go Orange. If it's, if it's Ariana Grande on the intro, that's not our fault. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. 
Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000 square foot showroom is Court certified, guaranteed, and in stock. Ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.